This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. from Ashland City, Tennessee. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Phoenix, Arizona. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 30th, episode uh, 1943, brought to you today by Horselovers.com. Good morning, Horse World. Everybody up, rise and shine. It's a new day. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Here we can go again. And away we go. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I've got to tell you, Lisa, something really um, exciting happened to me yesterday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I went to the feed store to go get the feed and they let dogs come into the building. You know, oh, I so love this like- place already. I know. So I took a little tank, my little Jack Russell, took my truck over there because I went to get feed. I spent a lot of money yesterday. I went to get feed and then I went to get hay. So I take little tank into the feed store, but you have to carry your dog because the pavement, it's like black pavement and it's Arizona and it gets really hot. So I carry him in, do my shopping. What, What happens if you have a Labrador? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't take them places. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just think his little feet would get hot. That's exactly. just me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. then I go and I do my shopping. I get all my stuff, and then somebody wheels out the cart, and I carry Tank out to the truck, and we get, and then we go to the hay store, and the hay store also sells makes food, so you can't take your dog in. So I just leave Aww. my truck running. You have to run in. I pay for the hay, and then I have to drive around the back with my receipt, and they load it. Right. So I run in, I pay for the hay, I come back out. It's so hot outside. It's like 104 yesterday. Bright sun. My truck is running. Tank is in the car and he's a little Jack Russell and he's like, mommy. And he ran over to the door (laughs) and like stepped him on the door and I heard. (gasps) Oh, I knew that was coming. Son of a what? No. He locked the doors from the inside (laughs) with the truck running (laughs) with my cell phone. The only thing I had was a credit card uh, because I'd run into (laughs) just pay for the hay and I'll be right back. Good boy. I'm so cute. I'm so jealous. No, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. So truck running in the bright sun. I'm standing outside. I, I, so I have to like do that. And and so then I'm trying like, come here, buddy, come here. Like trying to get him to like, unlock it you know <laughs> come on right over here no come here okay but and then i'm like no stupid dog he's not you know he just came to me now as i'm ta- telling the story but he wouldn't yeah, come to me yeah, when we're not. in the truck <laughs> so i have to go in the house uh, in the store and i'm like hi can i borrow your phone uh okay thanks and i call chad and unfortunately we're only a couple miles away from the the hay store is only a couple right. miles away I'm like, hey, babe, um, can you bring me a spare set of truck keys? And he's like, why? <laughs> he's like, I'm studying. Just do what do what you need. So Tank <laughs> locks the door and the truck is running. And um, it's, it's kind of screwed right now. And he laughs for like five minutes straight. And he's like, <laughs> at the end of laughing, but he's like, can't believe you took your dog and locked you out of the car. It's car running. Oh, my God. So I had to hear that. Chad brings me the keys and all is all better. But I started to panic because he took too long. And I was like, oh, my God, he started to pan. What if my coolant is running out in the car? You know, like, oh, yeah. my God. Then I opened the truck door and it was like, a fr- like I opened the freezer. <laughs> it's so cold in there. I, oh, he's fine. No brain damage. Like, why are you panicking? Oh, my God, I'm going to bust the window. I'm going to bust the window. If he doesn't get here in the next two minutes, I'm going to bust the window out. Oh, it's like really cold. <laughs> oh, man. man. Good dog. And that was the last time I took the dog to the feed store. <laughs> Until next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, Jimmy, tell us what's coming up on today's show. Oh my gosh. First, I have to tell you that I totally feel your pain, Jamie, because I had two dogs in my early 20s and I remember walking one of them 
the little one and coming back to find that the big one had locked the door and I didn't have my keys on me and the leasing office was closing in like five minutes and my dog the big dog was just looking at me through the window with this classic dumb dog look on his face like why don't you just walk in ma I don't understand the problem so why are you the little dog had to haul butt to the leasing office to get the spare key so I feel your pain I totally feel your pain anyway (laughs) alright so misery loves company I know, totally. Yeah. On today's show, Dr. Madison Siemens comes on to talk about the five most common equine emergencies for our horse health report. Bridget Kennedy discusses being a pro braider and tips for hiring one, and also doing dog agility. And Jamie and Lisa run through a list of top dressage tips, and Jamie gives us the first half of Chapter 29 of the Opium Equation. It's not going to be awkward at all. Anyway, so you don't want to miss any of it. It's a packed show as always today, guys. And No pressure. No pressure. Not at all. And speaking of today, today is both National Mint Julep Day and National Creativity. So have oh. a glass and pick up a paintbrush or be like Lisa <laughs> and get to writing or dive into a pile of Legos or do whatever else floats your creativity boat. Sounds good. <laughs> yes. So my daily Winnie goes to my dog, Abby. Unlike Tank, she has never locked herself <laughs> in a truck. <laughs> but, but I lost my truck keys yesterday. And, and just so you know, Abby is a Jack Russell Chihuahua mix. And she's a little bit of a princess because she, you know, if it's raining like it's every day here in Tennessee now, she won't go outside unless you hold an umbrella over her because, of course, you know, the princess can't get wet. On oh the other God. hand, she's really good about um, rolling in mud and eating horse poop. So, and, and belching, she belches very happily, um, frequently. So, uh, so I couldn't find my truck keys and I grabbed my spare set and I'm going, Abby, come on, come on. Cause we, which we too, we're going to the feed store and she wouldn't come. She wouldn't come. And, and so on the bed, she has six toys and these are her babies. And there's two little girl toys and four little boy toys and she lines them all up all day this is what she does all day she she lines them up and she rearranges them and they're all squeaker toys and she pokes them with her nose and she moves them around and so she's looking at her toys and she won't come and I'm going okay okay you know and come on come on come on and she's looking at me like like I'm as dumb as a stump I mean giving me that look like you just don't have a brain in your head so finally I go over there and I look down and underneath one of her little girl toys are my car keys oh, she's like mom this doesn't yes. belong here I know. <laughs> so so she's like telling me here are your car keys you know you just have to come over and look so my daily when he goes out to my dog Abby Abby Timmy's in the well where is he show me guys <laughs> exactly exactly and she was Uh, so happy when i finally figured it out you know she was like spinning around like jack russell's do and you know oh my god you have a jack russell too are we talking about we just told stories of our jack russells i know she's a jack russell chihuahua mix so she's a jack wawa and uh so she has attributes of both breeds and uh she's a hoot she's a she's a chussel (laughs) (laughs) chussel oh my daily winnie Well, my first daily Winnie goes out to my birthday boy, Lucas, my son. You guys that have been listening for a long time, his birthday is tomorrow and he's five years old, five years old. And there are listeners that have been with us since, you know, since the beginning, but also like I got pregnant and I was pregnant on the show for the the whole thing, you know, and everybody kind of went through it with me. I tried to keep it relatively pleasant. Um, (laughs) But it was, uh, can you guys believe he's five years old? That's crazy. And we had, Jimmy, you're going to love this. Did you see any of the pictures I posted on Facebook from his birthday party on Sunday? I did. The Black Panther birthday party, right? (laughs) We had a Black Black Panther party. I dyed the pool blood red. Apparently, you can (laughs) dye pools colors. And so I thought, I'll dye it red. 
And that was the worst idea ever because there was <laughs> children in the pool all day and you couldn't see the bottom. And I was like a total freak show about who's in the pool. Where's my baby? Like, <laughs> like this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. I can't believe I did that. Cause then it ended up with all the kids and it kind of ended up like a weird shade of pink purple. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and now my second daily Winnie. This is a really busy week in our family because my anniversary was yesterday as well. Chad and I have been married eight years now. And um, congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. We had a lovely time. We opened a bottle of champagne. He he brought out a bottle of champagne last night. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so sweet. Yeah, save that. I'm too tired. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like really fun, <laughs> but it's, um, it's, he's such an amazing husband. Okay. And he does such wonderful things. And then he does stuff that I'm like, Oh my God, what's wrong with you? The man is amazing. He will gather up all the clothes on the floor or the hamper and put them in the washing machine and start the washing machine. And I will not know about it until three days later. And I smell something and I'm like, what (laughs) is that toxic smell in our house? I'm like, oh my God, he left clothes in the washer again. So as amazing as he is in every way, the dude cannot remember to put stuff in the dryer, like within a timely fashion. So (laughs) the reason I'm telling you this story is because I got dressed and I came in here and I sat down and I, it's no secret. I work in like pajama pants and a t-shirt I'm sitting down. I'm like, oh my God, what's that smell? My allergies are bothering me. I currently had to take my pajama pants off and they're across the room because I was the latest victim. Of the, of the, I was folding laundry list and I'm like, oh, these are cute. You know, put them aside. And I'm like, oh, what's that oh, smell? No. I didn't spend enough time with it. <laughs> I'm now sitting in this quiet room. I'm like, oh God, that's me. Oh, that's me. So I will be doing this in, I have shorts on and a t- my t-shirt. <laughs> TMI, I know. Sorry about that. I was going to say, but yeah. <laughs> well, we have a great show today. I'm super excited. But Lisa, when we're sitting in, in, in the pre-show and Jimmy, our producer here, is not a horse person. We say nope. things and she's like... <laughs> Are you, is that for real? Is this a joke? I have no idea. <laughs> like, I found this. I found this really cool thing, 16 useful tips from Ingrid Klimke. And I, I was reading through it and she's like, are these, are these real things? Like, is this yeah. a joke? Are these sarcastic? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> these are for real <laughs> these are real things so i was just gonna run through them real quick before we get um to our guest i do have a question for lisa after this but um real quick 16 useful tips from Ingrid Klumpke. she's a real person jimmy and she's an yeah. amazing writer okay, and- i have to yes. i have to out myself even further because it's so shameful i just recorded the latest episode of dressage <laughs> she was on it <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Are you serious? I'm so dumb. I I just had it was total Jemmy moment brain fart. Yeah. Totally true. Okay. 100% true. All right. Not to be whatever, but I'm totally listening to that show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Number one. I'm just gonna run through them. Number one. And and I was really pleased at how many of these I actually use and, and agree with. And then I realized that there's some that I don't use that I need to. Uh quiet with your hand, use your fist, not your whole arm. I always think, tell my students, I'm like, think of squeezing a sponge, not, you know, sawing a log. So it's kind of the same thing. Uh, yeah. Number two, keep your horse out in front of you, not underneath you. Your horse should always be in front of your leg. All fingers have to be closed. Oh, my God. Yeah. I have a student, a Lisa, who was a Western pleasure rider. Oh. And they, they like hold the reins like they're holding... Gosh, ribbon. I don't know. Yes. Yes. Go on, your fingers. Yeah. Um, these are all real things, Jimmy. Don't give with the outside. The outside always stays, only the inside gives. Outside rain people. Keep it. Your half halt ha- I love this one. I love this, this one. So great. Uh, you read this one. Oh, your half halt has to be more interesting than everything around your horse. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. They start look craning to the outside. You better be interesting with your inside and your half halt. Um, Number six, I love put the spur away. You want to, you want to know why your horse is twitching its tail? 
Put your spurs away and you'll find out. Uh, Seven diagonal aids. The outside rein and the inside leg, people. Outside rein, inside leg. Supple the ribs is number eight. I always think like bend in the rib cage. Bend in the rib cage. Uh, Number nine, keep the rhythm with your rising. Use your rising trot to your advantage. Yep. Uh, Take give. Don't hold or pull too long. Number 11, you are not a passenger. You are responsible for your horse's ride. And that goes to another thing. You're either training or untraining. That's true. That's very Num- true. Number 12 is stretch and more stretching. It's good for him and he will like it. And since I read that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't do that enough. So yeah, I don't know if you saw a post I did. I took my horse to the farm fields. We're working on fitness. And I was like, you're going to trot this entire freaking mile with your nose between your knees and your back stretched out. Um, yeah. Active from behind. Number 13, more active. Number 14, canter in the light seat. Don't constantly be sitting and driving. Number 15, <laughs> she must say this a lot. Hands down, hands down, hands down. <laughs> Number 16, she must say this a lot. Hands yeah. together, heads together. Heads together. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't wait to hear. Her. She's on the dressage show. That's no, so cool. No, I have to uh, <laughs> correct myself oh. in real time. Oh, no. It was eventing, eventing five oh nine. That that she, guys. Okay, Jen and Glenn are on vacation. All of this is bleeding together. <laughs> eventing five oh episode five oh nine is what you'll find out. You know, okay. as time goes on, Jemmy, you're so- starting to sound more like Glenn and Jen. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand. <laughs> I if you to- buy a freaking pony, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, <laughs> now, I have to talk to Lisa real quick because you were talking about how it's going to be awkward for us to read her story. No. And I, I don't feel like it's as awkward until th- uh, for those who haven't been following along. I want to just read part of the last chapter. I mean, not to be whatever, but, but like Jemmy and I, at the end of it, we're like, oh my God, this is awkward. Okay. Um, Adam escorted me to, so basically Kat is like broken and battered. Somebody's beat her up. She's got broken bones. She was at home and some dude knocks on her door and she thought it was going to be somebody else. But like, it turns out to be Adam and Adam grabs her and like starts walking her through the woods basically and um, takes her into this house. And she's, again, like super broken. Adam escorted me to the door and flung it open. For the first time since my left the house, I could see Adam's features. His face was hard, expressionless, his aqua eyes now the color of ice. In that instant, reality set in, and I knew he was going to kill me. My brain sent panic signals to my body, and the now familiar shakiness began. Adam, listen, I suddenly... He was kissing me, forcing his tongue down my throat. His hands were everywhere. What is going on? Is like, are you, are you really, what happened here? <laughs> like, well, I love you, Kat. He said, I knew it the first time I laid eyes on you. I never get to pick the brains of an author. It's like, is there something you need to talk to us about? Were you going through something, Lisa? Let's be honest. <laughs> well, well, honestly, I, you know, I, I had a little bit of angst over an ex-boyfriend. <laughs> oh, I knew it had to be something. Yeah, and I, I just thought, you know, what's the perfect revenge, you know, would be to make him a killer and put him away for life. Wouldn't that oh be great? God. Wouldn't that be great? Just to lock <sighs> him up. I thought, know? and he was so debonair and suave at the beginning, and I just knew yeah. something was going on with him i'm like all her songs about her exes it makes sense now you get all this stuff out okay i get it don't anybody who writes don't don't ever make them mad don't ever do them wrong because you'll end up on a page someplace either dead or in jail or in a song and shamed in a music video (laughs) but jemmy and i were like what would like afterwards we're like what just happened like he's like raping her like what the hell That guy needs we, to go to jail. Yeah, well, we have to remember this is a cozy mystery. And, you right, know, in right. cozy mystery, it's all the really bad stuff takes place off the page. So, you know, it's it's tea and crumpets and, and all things nice. So. It's just a tongue down her throat. That's all it really That's was. <laughs> okay. <That's>, yes. <laughs> With that, thank you. I just wanted to bring that up. I, it was just ironic that you were here this week and that happened last week because Jemmy and I were like, oh, my God, the drama. Of what's yeah. going on. And if well, and you have happen- to go ahead. 
I was just going to say, you have to know, I'm like, we're like, what, four books, five books into the series at this point. And, um, you know, Kat's still around. So, you know, those of you who are just really anxious about Kat's well-being, just know that she survives. <laughs> Spoiler alert, five exactly. books later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. Well, let's start talking to uh we've got one of my favorite vets on dr madison siemens is going to come on in just a second and talk to us about the five most common equine emergencies Ooh. well hi dr siemens how are you it's jamie and i'm here with lisa how are you Good morning, Jamie. So glad to hear from you guys. And uh, sorry, I can't harass Glenn, but I guess he's taking a well-deserved vacation. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, you guys, should be, you guys should be tickled that he's letting you do this unsupervised. So I guess we just have to go from there. He now, should be very I want, afraid. <laughs> I want to point out, Dr. Siemens, we supervise him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> uh, so we were going to talk about the five most common equine emergencies, but the note here is it says that you think that the more accurate title to this piece should be when to freak out and when to just go to bed and hope. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, the, the, the real answer to that is, and I, I think most of the veterinarians would agree is that, is that when you think it's an emergency, then then we should as well. And sometimes we can triage these things over the phone. Uh, and now with the cell phones, I mean, it's pretty easy to get a, to get a photograph of some of these things. A lot of us are are pretty busy, and so it's kind of important. I mean, all of our clients, all of our patients are important, but some of them are obviously more pressing. But I just right. I just thought it might it might be interesting to have just sort of a just a general guideline here to just let people know because it's. It's pretty interesting, you know. I'll get a call on some of these things, and you, you know, you dang, why didn't you call me a week ago? You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we could have done something. So, like a lot of things, any anytime we have early intervention, uh, and sometimes there's, you know, we take a wait and see attitude. But a lot of no. times, early intervention will 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 reap some benefits. Now, Doctor Siemens, this has happened with my vet for sure. Um, probably, I probably bother her a little too much but i will send a text and a picture or a video and say what is this is this okay do you need to come out and see this uh, whatever it is do you also is that becoming more common in veterinary practice well yeah it is and and it's it's kind of a double-edged sword so i i say that as a suggestion only in given circumstances some some practices are so busy that uh that uh, we're just not able to to get to you like that as quickly as we could. But I, I think that if uh, if a horse owner has a working relationship with a veterinarian, especially if it's a one-on-one, some of the larger practices, that can be a real challenge. But right. if you have a working relationship with your veterinarian, and once once you have uh, an, an established relationship so that he or she kind of knows that you know what you're about, uh, those types of things can be better addressed either with a quick phone call or, or a, a text message, something like that. Right. Of course. Now, do you guys have cell service in Idaho? Is that like a- <laughs> uh, no, uh, we do have telephones. You got to, you, you got to crank them though. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. <laughs> All right. So the starting, let's go with the five most common equine emergencies. What's number one? Well, the most common equine emergency that we see in veterinary practice is colic. And so if, if the horse is not eating, well, then we need to look at these horses right away because it's not generally a, 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 a factor of the horse doesn't like the brand of alfalfa you're feeding him or anything like that. I mean, the horse the horse is going to quit eating, and that's the first sign that you've got a, a – it's called a it's it's called a, a, a gastric emergency or uh, something along those lines. And you've got to remember that colic is a symptom. It's not a disease. Right. And it can be something as, as simple as just a mild in, fa- in passion. You know, things are just, just not moving through that 100-foot-long tube that we know of as the GI tract. Or it could be something as critical as an actual twist or a torsion of the bowel, which is going to require, you know, emergency surgery or, or something along those lines in order to try to get that corrected. So that's the, that's the first thing. The horse doesn't have to paw out C-O-L-I-C in Morse code or, or <laughs> look at it, you know. <laughs> There's there's no there's no one thing that's going to tell you other than he's just not eating with his normal vigor and interest. So if he's if he's normally a chow hound and, and he he walks away, or you've got him in a group situation where uh, you know you're feeding three or four or five horses and and uh, and then old Buck is off there by himself laying down, 
that's not a good sign. No. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yeah, definitely. If I know when I walk outside, it's like they see a big old giant bucket coming at them, you know? Oh <laughs> you're, 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 you're the equine vending machine. That's what yes. you are. <laughs> so you're the lunch it, lady. <laughs> if one doesn't eat, that's definitely a warning sign. All right. What's another thing that can uh, be a uh, an equine emergency? Well, probably probably number two on my list is going to be bleeding. And so, uh, you know, if, if, if he's bleeding, then we got a problem. Uh, anytime, most of the time, this is because it's going to be because of a, of a cut or a laceration or blunt trauma, something like that. The, uh, the thing that we must understand is that as soon as he starts bleeding, he's infected. Now, it might be a little minor infection. It might be nothing to worry about. But some of the most innocuous-looking wounds can have some of the most devastating consequences. I mean, if you get a very small wound over a joint or a tendon sheath, uh, that that can cause or often will cause an infection that could be a career-ending type of a type of an injury. Life-ending, so I, like I think, too. Yeah, uh, yeah, it can be. I, I like to I like to get onto these things as quickly as I can. And again, some of these things are something that we're just not going to be too worried about. But I like to look at all of them, uh, just because some of them we can suture up, we can you know close it with uh, with stitches. And some of them we will just leave open, but all of them we want to look at because uh, it's amazing what will happen, you know, especially in the wintertime, you've got a bunch of hair covering the wound that looks fairly innocuous. And then once you shave the hair off that wound, you get into something that is a bit more serious than may have looked at, uh, looked like at, at, at your first presentation. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, um, the next most common equine emergency, and this is something that should definitely be uh, a red flag is your horse won't get up typically he's not getting up because he's, he's got a bellyache that's that's going to be the number one cause but there can be other other problems that will present the same way and so i've seen a few of them that, that actually had fractures that uh it was just too painful painful for them to get up right and you gotta you gotta remember that horse the horse as a prey animal he didn't like to lay down I mean, he will lay down when he feels really, really safe and comfortable. But if there's anything that's even rem- rem- remotely suggestive of a threat, that horse is going to be standing so that he can institute that fight-or-flight syndrome that, uh, that has kept him alive for these thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So if you walk up on your horse, e- even if he's your horse and he's really friendly to you, typically that horse will get up. And if he can't, then we got a problem. It's typically going to be colic, but it can be something else. So those mm-hmm. are the types of things that we need to consider. Gotcha. Okay. So, so far we've got, um, when your horse won't eat, when your horse won't get up and, uh, let's see bleeding. Now I did read here that tell, this is really interesting because when your horse is bleeding, by the way, you think, Oh my God, they're going to die. Just going to bleed out. You know, you've got like a towel full of blood. How much blood is in a horse? Well, it's really interesting. It's, you know, a little blood looks like a lot of blood coming out of your horse. You know, I mean, your neighbor's horse, <laughs> I don't worry about it, you know. <laughs> but but a, hor- a horse has about a gallon of blood for every hundred pounds of body weight. So your, your, your average backyard, you know, hay burner is going to have about 10 gallons of blood. So he, he can lose a gallon of blood and it's not going to be too much more than you giving a pint at the blood bank. But, oh you know, there's, there's a couple of things that you got to consider. You know, where, where is the source? And uh, it's it's really interesting. You think people call me up and say, "Oh, Buck's bleeding," and and some folks will say, "You know, I mean, he is just, you know, it's just a trickle." And you get there, and it looks like they've been killing chickens for a week, you know. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the other guy call you up and say, "Oh, you know, uh, you know, it's the horse is bleeding out." And you get there, and there's like twelve drops of blood on the ground. So <laughs> I, I I try not to triage those things over the phone. I just generally I just want to see them just to make sure. <laughs> but it's, it's uh, the, one of the things that, that I think we need to remember is, is that the, the best way to stop bleeding on these guys is, is dry pressure. And so a lot of folks will actually put the water hose on them. Well, what that does is that just washes the clot away. And so mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to stop bleeding with a water hose. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And plus, even if it's just a little bit of blood, now you've got 300 gallons of water on this poor horse. And it looks like he's lost 300 gallons of blood. So <laughs> you, you probably want to just, just use dry pressure, you know, a paper towel, just your finger, 
uh, any one of a number of ways just to put some dry pressure on that and then just, just leave a wrap on mm-hmm. and until you know you can get some veterinary attention. All right, gotcha. <laughs> Looks like they've been killing chickens for a yeah. week. That's the best line I've heard all day. Um, <laughs> another one would be uh, non-weight bearing. You know, and, and as a vet tech, we would get this. Oh my God, my horse is broken. Its leg. It's standing on the pasture. It can't come in. Its leg. It's broken. You get there, and it's an abscess. Is yeah. that <laughs> usually what it is? That is that is the common presentation, uh, and and it's. You know, I've been in practice for a little over 30 years, and I've seen, oh, I've probably seen 100 fractures. And I've seen probably 20,000 abscesses, maybe more. And so our our diagnostic plan here is just a numbers game. You know, if you, if what's what's it most likely going to be? And it's the old adage he told us in veterinary college was, you know, if you hear hoofbeats, don't look for zebras. You know, <laughs> look for horses. It's, <laughs> it's it's the most it's the most common thing because it's the most common thing. And so the uh, but again, you know, just from humane considerations, we would like to to, to afford some pain relief for these horses because an abscess is really painful. That's why yeah. they're basically we call that three legged lame. Because they just they, they're just non weight bearing, but it can be something even more serious than that. And and the other thing to consider is, especially if a horse has had repeated bouts of abscessation or a particularly protracted one, these things are usually pretty easy to resolve within just a few days. I mean, a week to ten days is pretty pretty long for something as simple as an abscess. But if we've got protracted ones or ones that have you know these types of abscess processes that have recurred over time. Uh, a lot of times that will indicate that we've got uh, we've got some underlying pathology in the foot. So I think taking taking a set of radiographs on these horses is probably a good thing to do, just to rule out some major hoof pathology. I've seen some coffin bone fractures and and uh, some things like that. That well, you know, just a a poultice on this is not going to help us. We need to go ahead and just dive a little deeper as far as as far as treatment protocols. So if a horse has repeated abscesses, is there anything you can do on a prevention level? Well, you got to figure out what's wrong first, okay? You know, the our understanding of disease processes is, I mean, it's kind of a silly analogy, but if you don't know what causes pregnancy, you can't institute birth control, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, True. We've got to kind of understand. Yeah, you know what they call people that use the rhythm method of birth control, right? They call them parents, okay? So the <laughs> statistical average. So, but, you know, you got to understand that, that once we understand exactly what's going on on the inside then we can start talking about treatments and perhaps prevention uh but it, it just it just goes to the diagnostic plan it's they taught us in vet school it's pretty interesting if you think about it like this is is diagnostics is not a concept of of what you don't know it's what you don't look for and most of these things are real obvious i mean it's just amazing how simple some of this stuff is but you got to look for it and you got to know where to look Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these non-weight bearing horses, the first thing that a horse owner will think about is it's in his shoulder, but it is almost never in the shoulder in an adult horse. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. that shoulder lamenesses are so rare. I mean, I, I have to look very long and hard at a horse's foot before I start thinking about moving higher up the wind. And so mm-hmm. we're starting to foot first because that's where it almost always is. And I have to go through some exhaustive measures to convince myself it's not in the foot before we start moving higher up from there. Wow. Right. right. Well, it's, it's funny, you know, you mentioned being, you have to kind of figure out why, you know, my horse, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Duke, he just all of a sudden came out three-legged lame on one of his back feet and um, had the, the vet out and she found an abscess. And, and then I had the farrier out and she's like, well, there's just no more hoof because he wears shoes in the front, but not in the back. And she's like, put some shoes on the back and he'll stop getting bruises and then he'll stop getting abscesses. And boom, guess what? He's not getting any more abscesses on his hind legs. <laughs> Shocker. Don't so I know. It. I mean, it is some of, some of those things are just, just that simple. And so generally we try to start simple first and then, you know, move higher up once we need to do something more complicated. Yeah, don't trail ride a barefoot horse on rocks. Hey, genius. There's some horses that can do that. You know, God bless them, too. That's really nice to have. But a lot of horses are going to have a little steel on that. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, let's see. The last one we have, the horse's eyeballs. This one, I tell people all the time, I'm like, call. Well, what do you think? Call. 
Well, but how about if I just call, call, <laughs> this is the yep. one thing definitely call. And this is the horse's eyes. Yep. Yep. Well, we got, you got basically got two kinds of eye problems. You got a goopy eye held open. You got goopy eye held closed or partially closed. And so a horse is going to demonstrate eye pain by holding his eye closed or partially closed. It'll be kind of squinting. And those are the kind of patients that we need to see right away. Okay, goopy eye held open, uh, that can just be dust, flies, any one of a number of things, conjunctivitis. Horses don't get pink eye per se like cattle do, but they can get some conjunctivitis, which is the technical term for pink eye. And, uh, and it's, it's, it can be a bacterial organ, and they will respond to antibiotics. But uh, I don't get too terribly worried about a, a goopy eye with the eye held open. But the closed eye or partially closed that can mean uh, the corneal ulcer, and that's the most common cause of eye pain in horses. But it can also be uh, be an indication of uh, something called recurrent uveitis, anterior uveitis, or uh, moon blindness. Mm-hmm. So those are the kinds of things we'd like to do pretty quickly. It's relatively easy to determine whether or not they've got a scratch on their cornea. We use a little uh, fluorescein dye stain, a little green stain. Mm-hmm. That'll, uh, that'll show up if they've got if they've got a scratch. So I like to get on these things as quickly as I can because we 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 just again just from empathy, you know, if you've ever had something stuck in your eye, it, it hurts bad. Yeah, and, and that's that's why the horse is holding his eye closed. So we'd like to we'd like to be able to get these horses uh, treated as soon as we can because we can see some of these things get so badly that they actually lose uh, lose sight in the eye, and that's that's never good. Uh, but again, some of these, some of these things are pretty forgiving. I, uh, I saw a horse last winter that, uh, came in for an eye that was all the way closed. I mean, you couldn't open this eye at all. So we actually had to do a general anesthesia on this horse, uh, to just go ahead and even do an, do an exam on it. And I pulled a a piece of a tree branch out of the, out of his eye socket. Oh man. uh, Almost four inches long. It was buried <gasps> down in his eye socket. Oh, you, couldn't even, oh. you couldn't even see it. Um, and so oh. it was amazing. It, it did it did really do some serious damage to his cornea, but it didn't rupture the eyeball. So uh, we treated that horse for a few days, and uh, he got to where he was holding his eye all the way open. Uh, got to where he was feeling pretty good. And uh, I, that was oh, six months ago. I saw this horse about two weeks ago. And he's got a he's got a pretty bad cloudy spot on the lower part of his cornea, but uh, he's fully visual. Wow! And so even even some of the some of the worst train wrecks you'll see if you'll just give them a little treatment and some time, uh, it's just amazing how uh, how well some of these guys can turn around. So now, did you yeah. find that on radiograph or just by probing oh, no, around I, I, in there? I've found it with my fingers. Wow! <laughs> God! Oh! oh. <laughs> no, it's really amazing. You know, you can spend, yeah. you know, thousands, even millions of dollars on all these instruments. The, the guy that the guy that taught me surgery uh, when I was a grad student of 112 years ago, we were, <laughs> we were doing something. We were doing something, and he just, he just stuck his hand inside the surgical site because, you know, we could spend thousands of dollars on surgical instruments, but sometimes there's just nothing can compare to the human hand. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, I just stuck my finger in there and pulled the stop out. It was amazing. I mean, it, oh. you know, it was one of those things. It was like it was like the clowns coming out of the clown car. You know, I mean, this thing just <laughs> kept coming and coming and coming and coming. <laughs> Bang! Yeah. When is this going to stop? You know, I mean, oh. I looked at the other eye to see if it was over there too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> straight across. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was wild, but you know, it just miraculously. I mean, it. And I guess the take-home message in all these things is. There's there's no reason to panic. That that you know you just do what you can, and uh, you know one of the guys, one of my favorite professors in veterinary college was also one of the ones that was the the hardest on me. His name was Joe Joyce there at Texas A&M 100 years ago, and he was really hard on me and picked on me continuously. And he said, "Seamus, don't worry about it. No matter what you do, you can't kill all of them." You know, <laughs> so, he had, had the gift of encouragement. It was a spiritual thing. <laughs> wow, warm and fuzzy. So, They they are big, strong animals, and they can survive some of the most amazing things. And so, I mean, I I always want to look at them and just where there's life, there's hope. And you just give them a shot, and it's amazing what they can pull through. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. And that's that's why I love you, because you're 
talking about these emergencies and we're making jokes, but the root of all of it is the horse that for you, the foundation is the horse's comfort and the horse's health. And I love that about you, Dr. Siemens. Thank you so much for coming on. I it's when I saw your name on the list this morning, I was super excited because we just love having you on. You're so nice. Can I plug my book? Absolutely. Plug your book, plug your business, plug everything. You got time. Go. Yeah, the book book is Never Trust the Sneaky Pony and Other Things They Did Not Teach Me in Vet School. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. It it took me about 20 years to write it, and it's it's just a lot of practice anecdotes. Uh, It's kind of like some of the James Harriet books, All Creatures Great and Small. But uh, Mm -hmm. me and James went to veterinary college, but he went to that different veterinary college. All of his patients live and all of his clients love him, okay? I I went to this other vet school. (laughs) It's it's available through my website, which is cornerstoneequine.com. And uh, there's just one E between Cornerstone and Equine. And then uh, click click on the shopping part of the taskbar and you'll get to my book. Perfect. Awesome. Cornerstoneequine.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Siemens. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Hey, we'll do it again next month. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Bye. Well, I just love him. If you don't love Dr. Seaman, by the way, if you didn't rub your eyeballs, like <laughs> while he was talking about pulling that thing out, oh my God. I do. <laughs> you yep. couldn't help but rub your eyes. Like, exactly. <laughs> well, we're going to play our song now. And I thought it was appropriate that we play Girls and Horses on this all girl show today Girls and Horses, Templeton Thompson. She talks about them, dreams about them, thinks about them all the time. She's got to have them, be lost without them. You can see it in her eyes. What is it? What is it with girls and horses? She says, now when I was a young girl, they were my whole world. They were my one safe place. Now that I'm older, still lean on their shoulders. I still feel like that girl some days. What is it? What is it with girls? Templeton Thompson, Girls and Horses. Oh my gosh, I just love that song. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you today by horselovers.com. And um, if you didn't take advantage of their Memorial Day shopping, 
Go right now because it's still going on. Memorial Day savings. Buy one, get one free. 600 different products. You can buy one and get one free over at horselovers.com. And then they, of course, have their deals of the day. And they have an extra 10% off. Mm-hmm. So you get buy one, get one free and 10% off? What? Okay. I mean, they're like that's like amazing. Stuff away. They're yeah. giving stuff. You can win a helmet cam. You can do all, they always have contests going on at horselovers.com. And that's horselovers with a Z.com. Buy one, get one free. Oh my gosh. Turnout yeah. sheets and fly I know. sheets. Okay. I know, nineteen ninety nine. Okay, I got to click on um, (laughs) the fly sheets are shredded in my house. I have Zeus. So, oh, my gosh. Okay, yes, you can buy rump sheets for riding $18. And these are all 10% 10 off and then buy one, get one free. Oh, my gosh. A belly. Oh, they have the belly guard. So your little horse's bellies of the ventricle line, the ventricle line. Yes. Yep. Ventricle. Is that the word? See, I can't pronounce big words. That's why we have to edit them out of the opium <laughs> equation. Um, <laughs> so there's lots of stuff to see. Horselovers.com. The Memorial Day savings continues. Now I'm distracted. You're going to have to lead our next guest <laughs> because I'm shopping. <laughs> I'll have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so our next guest is Bridget Kennedy. And she is an expert brainer and uh, Chihuahua dog agility expert. Hi, Bridget. This is Lisa, and uh, we're so excited to have you on the show. I mean, a braider and a uh, Chihuahua agility expert. I mean, how more diverse can you get? <laughs> <than that? laughs> well, it's uh, animals, and I think the uh, they all intersect with each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now tell me, I, you know, I've had a uh, minor experience with braiding because when I used to show, I, I did my own braiding. And like, like do you have mm-hmm. to get up at like what? two o'clock in the morning to get all the horses done in the morning? Uh, on a busy night, we'll probably start at nine o'clock and at night and work until 10 o'clock the next morning. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and so a, you're like down at, job. yeah, you're down at Wellington in, in the winter and then you're um, in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Is that right? In the, in the summer? Yes. Uh, I live in Wellington for about five and a half months and then um. I visit Pennsylvania in between horse shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to I have to throw this in real quick because I hired my first braider because I'm an eventer and we just kind of always braid our own horses, but I hired somebody mm-hmm. because I had just so busy. Greatest money I've ever spent. Oh my God. Yeah. It was yeah. amazing and it looked so beautiful. And it was the job was so much better than I ever could have done. And I'm just plugging anybody <laughs> hiring a braider do it you will be glad you did yeah <laughs> yeah because okay, no. you can see people on the ladder for two hours and still not look oh good. <laughs> yeah yeah now um how did you get into this i mean that's just such a kind of an unusual thing the braiding yeah um yeah. well i always had to braid my own horse when i was a kid showing and whatnot and um i kind of had a knack for it and people would see my horse and asked me to braid their horse. So I just did it here and there a little bit on the weekends. And then, um, then it started to become a full-time deal. <laughs> wow. Now tell me is, is I've, I've heard this kind of superstition for a long time is, and I'm going to get this wrong. Is it like geldings have an odd number of braids and mares and even, or is it the other way around? Or is that not a thing at all? Uh, nothing that I've ever heard of. <laughs> really? Really? Well, they I heard that too, Lisa. I have heard yeah. that too. And then is there a specific side you're supposed to braid on? Because I was yeah. like, oh, you've got to braid on the left. Uh, yeah, there... you always braid on the horse's right side. Oh, then I'm right way off. off. Right. Okay. For, okay. The, for the hunters and equitation horses on the right side. I'm Sometimes the jumpers, depending on how the horse's manes lay, they will get braided on the left side or the dressage horses. Uh, can go either side, but the, yeah. I do the hunters and equitation horses and ponies, and they all get braided on the right side. Yeah. See, now, I would. I see. I would do really well because I braid my little Mustang, and I braid him on the right because I like his freeze brand to show on the left. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> there yeah. You go. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, so is there a kind? What What do you prefer to braid? I mean, do you like the little ponies where you don't have to be up on that ladder, or do you like the big tall horses? Uh, actually, yeah, I had a lot of equitation horses for several years and now my clientele is I have a lot of ponies and the ponies that I all 
my regular ponies are so sweet and they just stand there like little rocks and then you don't have to be on top of the ladder the whole entire time, which is kind of nice for your body. Right, right. Now, do you carry like all different kinds of supplies? I mean, with with the different um, the different events that you braid for, there's uh, like mm-hmm. you can't you can't have like purple ribbons and you can't have like you have to have certain things, right? Um, well, I have the the regular gray, brown, black uh, yarn, and then a lot yeah. of my customers like navy. I use navy; that looks pretty in the chestnuts and the bays, and it's easier for the people to be taking out the braids so they're not cutting the hair. Yeah, uh, they can see the yarn better with a, a slight different color. Um, yeah. One of my kids likes me to braid her ponies in purple. Yeah, so um, yeah, it depends on on their likes. So I have a, a little braiding story. I used to show Appaloosa horses, and um, I had a little mare that was a great hunt seat mare, but she was only about 15-1. And we were at the National mm-hmm. Appaloosa Horse Show years and years ago. And I, I'm in the warm-up arena, and I'm looking. Every other horse is like 17-2, and, and we're like 15-1. And I thought, we're just not going to be able to be seen. And there were 40 horses in the class. And so I sent my groom back to the stalls, and I had um, a piece of lime green. Um, yarn that I was using in my own hair, and so we pulled out the mare's the mare's ribbons, and we braid we rebraided her with uh, lime green ribbons in her hair, lime green yarn in her hair, and it looked awful. But you know, we placed fourth. Oh wow! Well, <laughs> because, and you stood out. That's for sure. <laughs> we stood out. We stood out. So so um, yeah. Is there is there any specific uh, uh, event that you like better than others? I mean, you know, is, is there like, oh, you just love the dressage or you love the events? Or you love the uh, there's uh, particular horse shows that I like going yeah. to. Um, I love going to Vermont just because when I'm not breeding, uh, there's lots of hiking and I, me and my dogs go hiking and swimming and those kinds of things. And uh, the different little shops and certain restaurants that you only get to see once a year when you're right. at those horse shows. Right. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, and now the, uh, my usually my trip over to the Hampton Classic, I always take the ferry and we ride the ferry over, so I don't have to oh, drive through the Long Island traffic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so the other side of of your life is the uh, dog agility, and you have the most amazing little Chihuahua named Rory, who is just as cute yeah. as he could possibly be. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And and if you go to uh, Chronicle of the Horse, there's there's an article and uh, just some amazing photographs of him like going up going up ramps and up over poles and mm-hmm. uh, just mm-hmm. amazing. How did how did that all start? I mean, what what an unusual thing, you know? Here's your um, over here, and here's your dog agility thing. Over I've here. got a Chihuahua. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show it in agility. What? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've always had Labradors, and I still do have a Labrador. Um, and then I just didn't want to, cause I travel so much. I didn't want to have two 80 pound dogs anymore. So I was like, Oh, let me go a little on the small side. And then when I got him, he was two pounds and I'm like, I think I went a little too small, <laughs> but, um, he, I raised him like a big dog. I've raised him like a Labrador. He swims, he loves sticks. He's always retrieving and not afraid <laughs> of anything. Um, and like I said, he loves, I do a lot of hiking with him when I'm we're at horseshoes and stuff. I find trails and stuff and go hiking. Um, so I was at a, um, my Labrador was doing dock diving. I do a lot of dock diving events with him and they had a, uh, a match where they, I've never actually shown a dog in confirmation, kind of like the best in show movie. And, um, so I went over there and it was $8. They talked me into signing him up and it was $8. And so I signed him up and I took him in the ring and he just, you could just tell that this dog like loved just loved it. Like, I yeah. was like, oh my God, this dog wants to compete. I, he's really, really smart. And he just has this presence about him. And um, so I started teaching him some agility. I had done it before with my other dogs, but not very seriously. And once I saw what I had with him, I was like, oh my gosh, this dog is amazing. And he has not disappointed. <laughs> wow. So. Wow. So if, if I say I have a Chihuahua Jack Russell and Jamie has a Jack Russell, mm-hmm. so we're all kind of connected here with our dogs. Okay. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, if I wanted to get, get started in agility, how, how would I go about doing that? Uh, you could find a club. Um, they have group classes and lessons and stuff. Uh, a lot of information online. Uh, just have to be careful of who you're actually 
listening to, so you're getting the right information. Um, and you just teach a lot of foundation work with the dogs and whatnot before they actually get on equipment. So they're very comfortable when they get on the equipment and don't get scared. Um, but it's a, an amazing connection you will get with your dog when you start doing these kinds yeah. of things. Yeah, you them. know, uh, there there's horse agility too. That's kind of becoming a thing, and and a lot of people are are really doing the groundwork and and uh, mm-hmm. doing the horse agility. So that's kind of cool too. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I don't it's actually get... kind of. Uh, I sit back and look at it, and like each time the dog goes into the ring to do an agility course, we get eight minutes to walk the course and we'll get a map of the course but the dog has no idea when it goes in the ring what it's going to it knows the obstacles it's going to do but it has no idea what the course is so you know it's just amazing how much you know when your dog really gets into the game how um they depend on you and the teamwork between the two of you is to get through the course as fast as you can it's really it's quite accomplished accomplishment yeah, yeah, I bet it is. I bet it is. Yeah. So how do how do our listeners find you? Um, if they want to hire you as a braider or they, they just want to see you at an agility thing, how, how do they find you? We're located in Wellington for the winter. Yeah. Um, I braid at WEF. And then I also actually do teach agility and I've been training people's dogs for them down there. Um, so I guess bkennedy7576 at gmail.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Bridget, thank you so much. Um, so sure. excited to to talk to you. And I'm going to be following Rory um, online here because I think he's just adorable. And thank you so much for coming oh, on the show. <laughs> sure. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you, Lisa. Um, now it is time for me to awkwardly read your book. Do you want to read it? Do you want to read chapter 29? <laughs> no, no. You do such a great job. <laughs> such a fabulous job that I'm I'm excited to hear you read it. Oh my God, it's getting really intense too. I hope I don't screw it up. All right, hit the button there, Jimmy. Let's hear the sound. The Opium Equation is the first of the Cat and Wright mystery series written by Lisa Wysocki. It features Cat and Wright, a Tennessee Appaloosa horse trainer, Darcy Whitcomb, teenager with a trust fund, Bubba Henley, a budding juvenile delinquent, and John Gardner, a mysterious barn manager. And of course, there's Sally Blue. Thank you to the publisher, Cool Titles, for allowing us to read this book. If you want to read ahead, all four books in the series are available in stores and online everywhere or at lisawysaki.com. Chapter 29. The pain was indescribable. I lay on the floor without moving. Indeed, any movement of any kind was no longer within the realm of possibility. I don't know how long I lay there unable to breathe. I only hoped it wasn't long enough to qualify for brain damage. After a while, I was able to take in tiny puffs of air. Only when I was breathing close to normally did I open my eyes. Adam was sitting on the kitchen sink staring at me. No, through me. His eyes were lifeless. As he made no move toward me, I closed my eyes and concentrated on becoming mobile. Eventually, I was able to move each limb with the obvious exception of my left arm and carefully rolled myself into a sitting position. My broken ribs felt like they were on fire. I looked again at Adam and couldn't believe how frightened I was of him. Wordlessly, he held as his hand to help me up. Hesitant, I accepted, for the fact of the matter was, if I didn't have help, I wasn't getting up. The house was cold. Rain was dripping in the back door. Apparently, Adam hadn't thought to close it. Or maybe he liked wet kitchens. Through the door, I could see Hank on the wet patio trying to decide what to do. With his tail curved into a question mark and confusion in his eyes, guard dog, he definitely was not. My heart ached for him, and I hoped he'd have the sense to run away before Adam noticed he was there. Maybe Hank would run to John. With the length of bailing twine still tied to his collar, John would know something was wrong. Shouldn't John be calling the deputy by now? Now that you know I'm serious, said Adam, slamming shut the kitchen door, along with any fantasies I might have had about a Hank-engineered rescue. You better come on. He then threw open the basement door and pulled me through it. You know, if you hadn't started all the snooping, you wouldn't be here now. The steps were dark and endless, and when we reached the bottom when I stumbled, Adam jerked me back to my feet so abruptly that I bit back a scream. I wanted to tell him there was no need to be so rough, but I didn't want to upset him any more than he already was. I didn't know if I could withstand another session with a Fairbanks floor. 
The basement reeked of mold and age and decay. And if there were lights, Adam didn't use them. So the only illumination we had was a small flashlight he still carried. But it was enough to see that there wasn't much down there. What I did see looked older than the mountains with twice as much dust. Definitely no Bubba. I can make out a pile of ancient newspapers in one corner. A stack of wood full of dry rot was piled next to them. The only item that could qualify as furniture was a large ornate dresser complete with an elaborate antique mirror against the center of the far wall. Go on, said Adam, as he propelled me toward the dresser. Open it. I was sure he meant that Bubba's body was stuffed into one of the large drawers. So one by one, and with mounting horror, I awkwardly juggled the bigger drawers open. They were sticky with age, and trying to open them one-handed was next to impossible. With an impatient grunt of disgust, Adam grabbed the handle of the smaller drawer, nestled along the top row, and gave it a twist. With a creak and a groan, the entire dresser, mirror, and all slid away to the left, revealing a hidden room beyond. I knew without a doubt I was finally looking at Miss Opal's gopher hole, the water and darkness. Adam shone the flashlight around the room, which measured about 15 by 15 and was lined with a series of shelves full of glass bottles, vials, and sealed jars of powders. Some of the jars looked spotlessly clean and others looked positively ancient. Here then was Adam's medicine, the remains of Colonel Sam's huge stash of drugs left over from the Civil War, supplemented by fresh supplies and a small but modern laboratory. I stared at the many shelves of drugs and the words of Miss Opal said about Colonel Sam helping those boys came vividly back to me. Old Sam must have been supplying addicted Civil War soldiers and later veterans with drugs. Bet he made a ton of pretty pennies on his sales, too. A lot of pain was generated from that war. If the stories were true, Colonel Sam had died mad, possibly a casualty of addiction to opium. And like many others who are addicted, Colonel Sam surely had one fear, and that was running out of drugs. That fear now belonged to Adam. Impressive, isn't it? Adam asked when he saw my eyes widen. Colonel Sam not only smuggled opium in from China, he grew it right here in the fields. As you probably know, poppies are the source of opium, and then they can be turned into a variety of drugs, including heroin. And then the Henley Dupree family standard, laudanum. Tennessee was one of the leading poppy-producing states during the war, along with Virginia and South Carolina, and I think Georgia. Bet you didn't know that, did you? I shook my head, too overwhelmed to answer. Oh, I've done all my homework. In 1860, it was estimated that close to 17,000 acres were dedicated to poppy farming in China. That's a huge amount of land, Cat. It created a severe lack of food production and also caused mass starvation in several provinces. By 1887, 7 out of 10 adult Chinese males were opium smokers, and Chinese opium was considered the best and most potent in the world. Of course, it was still illegal over there, so people had to be careful. Not like here where both armies wanted and needed the opium so that poppies produced for laudanum. So old Sam mixed the two. The harvest he grew here with the smuggled imports he got from China, making his opium and his laudanum the best in North America. That way, both the northern and southern armies would want to buy from him, and they did. But, I interrupted, he shushed me with a hard slap to my cheek. I'm not finished yet, cat. Please listen. I nodded mutely, my anger building as I realized he was citing line, re reciting lines he had rehearsed for a sole audience of one, me. In addition to dental problems, opium was used to cure dysentery. A very large number of Civil War soldiers became addicted. More than 60,000 returned home as addicts. That's a pretty high number, wouldn't you say so, Cat? I just stared at him, fury blazing into my eyes. This time I refused to acknowledge his little lesson with a nod. He continued anyway. Well, opium addiction was so widespread back then that it was called the army disease or the soldier's disease, he said. After the war, laudanum was so common that it was marketed and commercially. You could get a third of an ounce at a general store for about a penny. I got that figure from some notes Colonel Sam left down here. He left a lot of notes. Of course, when Sam became old and feeble, it all stopped. But then someone found this room and started all over again. You think that person was me, don't you, Cat? Well, you're very wrong in that thought, Cat. Did you ever wonder how Aunt Glenda got started in her film career? How my grandmother got the attention of Hollywood moguls for her daughter? It's all right here, he said, spreading his arms and turning around to look in the room. Grand supplied the biggest studio heads in Hollywood with laudanum for many years. Aunt Glenda and my mother never knew, of course. 
Yes, my grandmother is a very smart woman, continued Adam. She never used, never introduced the drug to her daughters. She just traded movie roles for the little, the good stuff. But both Aunt Glenda and my mother were good actresses, and soon the roles, the parts, came on their own. When I was visiting here a few years ago, I found all of this by accident as I was exploring the house. Of course, even though my grandmother was initially able to use what was left of Colonel Sam's original supplies, time has since eroded that possibility for me. Remember when I showed you earlier, just the one past the Henley's house where the warehouse used to be? Adam did not wait for me to respond. If you look carefully at that field beginning in the spring and continuing into the summer months, mixed in it with different varieties of native grasses and wildflowers, you will see the blooms of the poppies planned there years ago. They're doing quite well, actually. Months ago, I knew Aunt Glenda suspected I was onto something, but she couldn't prove it. Then a few days ago, she followed me down here. I didn't see her, didn't even know she was home, but she saw it all. That day, that fateful Monday, when Aunt Glenda came skipping back from her riding class, she was in a great mood. She said she felt as if she could conquer the world, but all she really wanted to do was conquer me. Aunt Glenda said she was going to send me to rehab. I, well... I didn't want to go. You see, I need my medicine, and I knew they wouldn't let me have it there. Adam took a deep, ragged breath and rubbed a hand across his face as if the thought was more than he could bear. Cat, I hurt all the time. My back, I was in a car when my mom was killed. I was just a little kid, but I've had incredible back pain ever since. My medicine is the only thing that I've found that helps. When Aunt Glenda picked up the phone to make the call to the rehab center, well... I just couldn't let her do that. We had an argument, a very loud, heated argument. Then all of a sudden, that kid Bubba was there. He tried to stop us. And Glenda and I were screaming at each other and pushing each other. He got between us, and I grabbed that damn twitch from him. I knocked in Glenda on the head with it several times. I didn't mean to. She had the phone in her hand. I didn't mean to kill her, but I just wanted her to put the phone down. And then I turned around, and there was that damn kid bawling in the entryway. I didn't know if Aunt Glenda was dead or alive, and I couldn't come back to see. I just, well, I couldn't. So I put the kid's cap on the steps when you showed up at the office later in the same day. Well, it was easy to get you excited about coming out right away to confront my aunt. I waited up all night. Sure, the police would call, but they didn't. And then on Tuesday, I couldn't wait any longer. I had to find out. So I came out that morning and parked my car on the old field road, the one past the county line. You can see both the front and back of Fairbanks quite clearly from there. If you park your, so your line of sight goes between Hill Henley's barn and the house. And I waited. And before long, too long, I saw you go in and then come out and sit on the steps. And I knew by the way you kept your head between your legs that you had found Aunt Glenda and that she must be dead. The man was truly mad. And then yesterday you came over and I heard you come in, but I knew you were on your way because the phone message you left. I was home, you see, in the pantry. Well, it's the laundry room now, but when the house was built, it was a pantry. Quite a sizable room, and Aunt Glenda stored a lot of her old clothes there. You were getting too close, but I couldn't let you do that. I didn't want to hurt you, Cat. I didn't. But you see, I have to have my medicine. I reminded myself that Adam was a skilled actor, and there was some semblance of reality in what he was saying, but the actor was there all the same. Did you like my costume? He asked brightly. I found the hood and cape in the laundry room, and Glenda wore the cape in one of her last movies, Night Escapade. Remember that wonderful scene by the cliff? It was glorious. But getting back to yesterday, it was chilly when you came, remember? And I had my heavy down parka on, and I was ready to go to the office. So I threw the cape and hood over my parka, and I used that gag voice synthesizer from the Halloween party last year. You have to understand, I was afraid, and Glenda had told Gran about it, about my medicine. He continued, and I couldn't have that happen. And Glenda went to Gran all the time for advice. And I was afraid of Gran of what she would do. So I started switching her medication to make her more confused. She's so old anyway, that no one would think it odd if an old lady started getting confused. No one except the old lady herself. I thought Adam underestimated Opal Dupree. It was a crucial mistake. I felt hollow inside as I realized the only question left to be answered was where's Bubba's body. It was a question that soon answered itself. Mm -hmm. 